Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Unfiltered. We have a ton to get to tonight, so let's get going. Here's tonight's headline. Everybody into the pool. In case you've lost track, there are officially 17 Democrats running for president with this week's announcement by Ohio Congressman Tim Ryan that he, too, is joining the field. He joins Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris and others atop the polls, along with some lesser knowns like entrepreneur Andrew Yang and motivational speaker Marianne Williamson. But wait, there's more. Also expected to announce soon, California Congressman Eric Swalwell, Montana Governor Steve Bullock, and of course, the eternally considering it, Joe Biden. Don't trust my math, but I think that would bring the total to 20. Hold on, we're not done yet. The New York Times puts four other guys in the might run category. Former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz, considering a run as an independent, and Democrats Massachusetts Congressman Seth Moulton, former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, and Colorado Senator Michael Bennett. We have two of those guys on later in the show. I'm not going to tell you which two. Okay, so that would take us to 24. Almost done. Bear with me. Two more Democrats, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and former New York York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg, have said they will run if Biden doesn't. So minus Biden plus Cuomo and Bloomberg, that takes us to 25. 25 candidates. Now, here's the question. Is this a reflection of how beatable they all think President Trump is or how beatable they think they are? Or is it more of a why not? Chances are Democrats are hoping that a stuffed to the brim field of candidates gives voters a smorgasbord of options and produces the best nominee to defeat Donald Trump. But my fear is that like many buffets, more isn't actually better and it could actually produce the worst. Here's the deal. Anyone of age and American citizenship can run for president. Have at it. But sometimes more is just more. And that could actually impede the Democrats' pathway to the White House. Don't take it from me. Take it from science. You may have heard of the terms analysis paralysis or the paradox of choice or the tyranny of small decisions. All describe the very real phenomenon that having too many choices doesn't often result in ultimate satisfaction. It lowers overall enthusiasm and can often produce an outcome that isn't optimal. If you've ever hit a wall scrolling through Netflix, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. As a report in Politico puts it, we saw a demonstration of this so-called serial aisle effect in the Chicago mayoral race, where a crowded, diverse and qualified field of 14 candidates without prohibitive frontrunners coincided with almost the lowest turnout in city history at 33.4%. Now, the truth is not every Democratic candidate can beat Donald Trump. In fact, I think very few can. But if that's the most important thing, then an overcrowded field that could produce a nominee with little or no chance of winning is bad for Democrats. 
Let's talk this over with two very smart strategists whose math is definitely better than mine, but then again, so is everyone's. Uh, CNN political commentator Joe Lockhart. He was the White House press secretary under President Clinton and Republican strategist Kevin Madden. He was the spokesman for Mitt Romney's presidential campaigns. Okay, Joe, we have a map of candidates with events today, mostly in early voting states. I know that the boilerplate line from Democrats is the more the merrier. This is all good Mm -hmm. for the party. But level with me, are you concerned that having too many candidates will weaken the field? I don't think that'll weaken. I don't think it'll weaken the field in the context of the Chicago example okay. you used, because I think uh, Democrats are engaged as much as I've ever seen them because of their hostility uh, to Democratic Trump. voters. Democratic uh-huh, voters uh-huh. Uh, because of their hostility to Trump. I think there's going to be a very quick and kind of brutal winnowing process. Uh-huh. That's one of the reasons why the debate starts so early. Yeah. Um, if first off, there's going to be some people who don't get into the debates. Right. That means their debt because the debates will be a way to show the one or two dark horse candidates as a way of emerging the way Mm -hmm. sort of uh, Mayor Pete had did in his CNN town hall Um, so that's that you you won't have 25 going into the Iowa caucuses Mm -hmm. and then Iowa and New Hampshire happen very quickly together you'll see you'll see a much smaller field um, the other thing I'd say is, you know, you're right when you say having 25 doesn't make it a rational process. This isn't a rational process. <laughs> it has never yeah. been I've never a, been rational on a rational process. <laughs> right. For sure, it's nothing rational well, about it. It's just a different kind of crazy. Well, Kevin, Republicans are all too familiar with this. Yeah. Uh, Trump was able to win the primary with a small plurality. And yes, he went on to win, but only because Hillary Clinton was so bad um, as, as, a, as a foe. If the Democratic nominee, nominee wins with, say, 25% of the vote going into a general, isn't that kind of coming in a, in a weak position? Yeah, but we don't know if it's going to work out like that. I think one of the problems that they're going to have with a bigger field is that it's harder for one of the new candidates to sort of break out. That's one mm-hmm. of the big problems. And you look at the older candidates, the more established candidates, the ones with a more of a national profile, like Biden, like um, Bernie. Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, they actually are able to uh, really hold their position right now because mm. um, they're more well-known. They've got an established fundraising network. They've got the national name ID. It's harder for these younger folks or these Someone newer, like t- these newer ones folks to write to come in and build mm. their profile when you have such a big field like that. But Joe's right. I think the one thing that, that I wouldn't worry about if I were a Democrat is the level of enthusiasm that they right. have right now. They have a lot of enthusiasm, and they like the fact that they have a very big, diverse field. So, you you know, in that sense, it's not really working against them on the voters. Mm. It's working against you if you're one of these new, smaller, upstart campaigns. Well, I mean, speaking of a small, upstart campaign, we mentioned Tim Ryan. Um, I, I know Tim Ryan. I, I, I think he's um, a really great candidate. I like his message. I think he's good at that. Um, and I think, actually, he might represent a majority of Democrats in a way that maybe Elizabeth Warren, who has bigger name ID, doesn't. So how does someone like that, who might have a more winning message, sort of push through without the name ID? Listen, you you could make that um, analysis about a number of candidates, either in the middle or to the left of the party, where if um, the, you know, a dozen candidates split up the progressive vote, 
uh, someone yeah. in the middle is going to help with Biden, or the opposite, mm -hmm. which is if a dozen candidates in the middle split the vote, you may uh, help Bernie Sanders, who has an established group of people. You really right. only have two people in this who I think will be in this race, I think Biden will be in, who have an established connection to traditional Democratic activists. Everybody else is going to have to go in is and win have to go, yeah. go out seem and like win. they're running away from the middle. Like yeah. with Joe Biden right. saying I was never a moderate, I uh -huh. was always a progressive. Right. I, th I think Wait, that's. Then what's yeah. your lean? I'm, I'm confused. I, listen, but I think that's a defensive thing, and I think what what Biden yeah, is trying is to do is to say, "Hey, the media doesn't get to decide who I am. I've been a liberal my whole life. I, maybe I'm not a liberal when you compare me to Elizabeth Warren yeah, or but, Bernie but Sanders." Listen, the, as long as he does not officially get in, the media is is defining him, and and that's why I think if he wants to get in do it already because yeah. he's going through all the rigors of campaigning the scrutiny without any of the benefit without the donors without the po you know the positive um, you know spotlight yeah and he's over he's overvalued the idea that getting in last is going to help you him make so? the big final splash absolutely yeah. you, because right now because he's holding back the his profile and his candidacy and whatever he wants to run on is all being defined by his critics yes or a bunch us. of a bunch of folks like us that are talking right. about it nonstop right right right, right. he has to get in and t tell the voters exactly what he wants to do and why Joe Kevin stay right there I'm not letting you go just yet. When we come back, we're going to talk about the 2020 incumbent. He's had a pretty messy week of presidenting, frustrating even those in his own party. And a little later, I'll talk to two potential 2020 candidates who think they might just appeal to the largest and most overlooked demographic in the race, the middle. With the Mueller report concluded and the president feeling exonerated, feeling You'd think he'd be able to attack some policy issues with clear eyes. You'd think. But it turns out without an adversary to focus his energies on, Trump seems a bit lost. First, after surprising his own party with a plan to take on the hot-button issue of health care in the midst of a presidential election, he then walked it back. Then he vowed to close the southern border, but facing a huge backlash again from his own party, he gave Mexico a year to figure stuff out and said he wouldn't close the border. Here's what he said about that today during a speech to the Republican Jewish Coalition in Las Vegas. A lot of these fakers back there, they say, he will never close the border. It's too much. Well, you know, close the border, we stop about $500 billion worth of drugs from pouring into our country, you know. There are a lot of advantages to it, too. A lot of advantages to it. I'm okay with it. I don't want to do it, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> Amidst the border confusion, the president abruptly withdrew his own ICE nominee to go with, quote, someone tougher to the surprise of his Homeland Security secretary. Then there was the announcement that 999 prophet Herman Cain would be nominated to the Fed. Again, a decision that some in his own party were questioning. Adding to his messy week of presidenting, his utterly bizarre claims that noise from wind turbines cause cancer and that his father was born in Germany and well, this. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the uh, uh, investigation, the beginnings of that investigation. The Mueller report, I wish covered the oranges, how it started. Needless to say, Republicans are concerned. Senator Chuck Grassley, for one, called the president's wind turbine comment idiotic. 
Is this what the next year and a half will look like? I'm back with Joe Lockhart, Kevin Madden. Kevin, um, yes. Trump <laughs> is... The answer is yes. Trump is great at picking fights with people. Yeah. Um, he's not so great at being president. And after uh, this week of, of flailing, he's back to Mueller, tweeting it about, uh, about it more than once today, including just once before the show. What do Republicans do with this? Uh, well, I mean, that's one of the challenges that I think everybody on Capitol Hill is now mm -hmm. uh, sort of coming to terms with, the fact that you have this bumper car agenda coming out of the White House, mm -hmm. depending on the day, they don't know, uh, they don't know what, he's what, crash what, he, yeah. Yeah, what he's crashing into. Um, so, you know, going out there and actually setting their own, their own terms of the debate um, and taking on as much as they can the contrast of this Democratic uh, like investigation infrastructure on yeah. one side, which yeah. the president will be happy to join with them on a fight with. And then on the other side of it, it's this agenda that Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and others feel has is a you know, radical agenda that's out of step with m most mainstream Americans right. and run against that. Um, and yeah, I expect they're going to try, no... and, then, and then they're going to try and bait the president into joining them in that. Right, which I'm sure he'll 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 take it. Right, because there's no real advantage to Republicans just going out and advancing agenda an agenda of their own because they don't know what Trump will support and where he'll shake out yeah. on this. So it's a perilous. And it, it is. It's a, it's a party that's that's more comfortable defining itself by what it's against than what it's for. Right. Yeah. Um, Joe, I think you could make the same argument though that the Democrats had Mueller to focus on for so long. Sure. Now um, they're on to tax returns. Half of the Democrats in the United States Congress are running for president. Uh, will anyone do the job that they were elected to do? Yeah, I, I think that I agree with Kevin that Republicans right now, it hasn't always been the case, but right now are the party of uh, being against things. The reason that the Democrats won the midterms in 2018 was not because of Bob Mueller. No, was not it's because healthcare. of Russia. It was because of healthcare. Right. It was going out, and if you look at just the ads that were run, yeah, they were primarily about healthcare right. and economic security. So I think the Democrats have a challenge to not um, uh, do the easy stuff of. Just investigations, right. just oversight, and just and this, running for president. Right, and and the, but this is where I think Nancy Pelosi comes in, uh -huh. who's, who's about as good as there is uh, in politics right now, of 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 making sure that they focus on. Uh, at least putting things on the table that they're for, whether it be for voting rights, whether it be for health care. And if Republicans want to stop it, they'll stop it. Yeah. Well, because I think the, the message out of mm. 2018 was the public wants some results. Sure. Uh, and this is to both of you, because it's a two-sided two -sided problem. We've got some really good employment numbers this week. This is a problem for Democrats because they want to be out campaigning, telling voters that their lives are terrible. On the other hand, Republicans don't seem to be able to take, you know, a gift and, and, and just, just run with it. They always find a way to sort of sabotage or, or even just ignore it. So what do we do about a really good economy on both sides? Go ahead. Uh, well, I, th I mean, I think the Republicans should focus more on that. Well, but of course. <laughs> one of the problems is that that's a pretty like the the message is being defined oftentimes by the by the president in the White House, yeah. and his is more of like a what happened in the last thirty last thirty minutes, uh -huh. and so therefore he's more focused on on, on criticizing uh, and running against running as a contrast message against Democrats. Right. So that's one of the big challenges that they're going to continue to face throughout throughout the year. Yeah. Listen, I think the Democrats have a have the ability to talk go in. And and dig in a little bit on income inequality and the fact that people are underemployed. Sure. Uh, I don't think the numbers are going to change radically between the election. But their biggest advantage here is Donald Trump. 
who can't take something that should be a positive because his entire um, message is the country is falling apart. Well, the country isn't falling apart, and as soon as he acknowledges that, mm. then his national emergencies all of a sudden I are a big problem. I think with a lot with these employment numbers, a yeah. lot of people, a lot of voters don't feel like the country is falling apart. Right. They you actually know, feel other, like we're doing well. One other problem that I think Democrats are going to have is, mm. Joe was mentioning Nancy Pelosi being one of the best at what yeah. she does. Yeah. She is. I would agree with that. Yeah. But she increasingly is, is, is losing some of the control over the narrative of what congressional Democrats are doing and mm -hmm. the Democratic mm -hmm. Party are doing mm -hmm. to folks like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right. people with, you know, the total about three months legislative experience uh -huh. are now shaping the bigger broader debate things like the green deal for all medicare right. for all a lot of that Abolish right now ice. is not really what mm -hmm. they want to be running on joe kevin thank you so much for joining me tonight that was a great conversation coming up the list of 2020 challengers to trump may only get longer i'll talk to two potential candidates still testing the waters but up next, Democrats kicked oversight into overdrive this week. Can they balance that with actual governing? I'll talk to one freshman lawmaker trying to do just that. Stay with me. Silicon Alley, not so much. First, Amazon leaves New York high and dry, and now BuzzFeed gets into a Twitter war with the city's mayor. It all started on Wednesday when the BuzzFeed News Union Complained, complained over Twitter that management stood them up at a meeting about recognizing them and eventually posted this. BuzzFeed management is engaging in clear union busting. Because the scuttled meeting was in New York, Mayor Bill de Blasio, a pro-union progressive, had to chime in. He tweeted, memo to BuzzFeed News, New York City is a union town. You didn't just snub BuzzFeed News Union yesterday. You insulted all working New Yorkers. To the union, this city stands with you. To the management, come to the table. And that's when the suits snapped back. In a statement, BuzzFeed said, this process is not going to benefit from the involvement of a deeply unpopular mayor who has expressed an open disdain for journalists during his time in office. Ouch. And they're not wrong. A new Quinnipiac poll finds that 76% of New Yorkers don't want de Blasio to run for president. I don't think that's because they like him so much at City Hall. We'll be back in two minutes. In the red file tonight, the integrity of American elections. No small thing. The intelligence community continues to warn that foreign entities will target the 2020 elections. And it's not just Russia that's a threat. There was the shocking revelation this week that a Chinese national allegedly entered Mar-a-Lago illegally with malware. In Congress, Democrats are hoping to pull off a balancing act. They're ramping up oversight of the executive branch while introducing new legislation in an attempt to prevent a 2016 repeat of foreign election meddling, including the Paid Ad Act, which aims to add restrictions on foreign election influence in ads. One of the representatives who introduced that bill, Congresswoman Alyssa Slocken, joins me now. So tell me about the legislation. Uh, what does it do? Yeah, it's really simple. It just says that um, we're going to close a loophole so that foreign actors, organizations cannot buy ads in our political system for or against a candidate or on a big issue of importance in our elections. On social media. Social media, TV, yeah. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. There are these big loopholes that were never closed. Um, our elections have evolved. Our system has evolved. Right. And we haven't evolved with it. And Michigan was particularly targeted. I'm a representative from Michigan. That's right. Particularly targeted by these ads. They are horrible yeah. and divisive. And um, we're closing that loophole. So you know this issue well. You worked at CIA. You worked at DNI um, and the Pentagon. Yep. 
Your bill addresses the social media aspect, but what about the hacks? Are we doing enough to prevent uh, more attacks on our elections? Yeah, so I think in a normal situation, if after 2016, all 17 intelligence agencies had said that Russian attempt, Russians attempted to meddle in our elections, yeah. in a normal situation, Democrat or Republican president, we would have had a blue ribbon panel with the greatest minds of a generation from social media world and national security right. to look at protecting our democracy. So our election systems, um, everything from the ads to the actual you know, election booth. Yeah. Um, we just haven't had that. So we're putting together a patchwork now of what we can do. Mm. Um, but it is certainly not at the level of attention it should be. Um, the Mueller report, as you know, and I only bring this up to get around it, um, but it aimed to get to the bottom of these attempts to thwart our, our um, election integrity, but it also became a political proxy for both sides. Yeah. Um, you and I have talked about what voters really care about. Yeah. And just this week, House Democrats served subpoenas to get information on White House security clearances, after tax returns. I know oversight's important. Yep. But what do voters really care about? Yeah, so I think Congress has to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And walking is doing the oversight role, right? And making sure that Jerry Nadler and others are doing what they need to do to provide a check and balance. But then we got to do the other side, which right. is passing affirmative legislation that helps people's lives. Right. We got to do both. And if you're only doing one, you're only doing half the job. Uh, do you worry that Democrats in Congress and Democrats on the campaign trail aren't focused enough on legislation and talking about things that can actually sort of change people's lives? I, listen, I mean, there's 40 of us that flipped seats that were, you know, that voted for Donald Trump. Right. And all of us are, you know, have a fire under us to work on legislation. Um, I think that that's what people are doing. Now, maybe the media focuses on, sure. uh, you know, the Mueller report or a sure. few members of our caucus. Um, but the bulk of us are there proposing legislation, you know, moving things forward. And I, I just think it's not as sexy um, to be sure. working hard on legislation. Well, that's why I'm glad you're here to talk about the legislation. Um, as you mentioned, Democrats largely won the House because of moderates like mm -hmm. you. Do you think that um, 2020 candidates are kind of forgetting that? I just think that if you really understand the electorate, the electorate is focused uh, on the Democratic side yeah. on making sure we have a new president in 2020. And beating Trump is the primary criteria. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I think this idea that somehow you have to go further and further left in order to you know, win people's votes in the primary, I just don't think it was borne out in 2018. And I just don't think that's where the electorate is now. But again, this sort of overblown focus on the left, I think, leaves out the wide swath of people in the middle who just the rest want of their us. government to function. Right. They just want it to run. Um, so I think they're missing it. Thank you, Congresswoman Alyssa Slocken. Really appreciate you joining me tonight. So remember the middle voters that are neither far right or far left? Well, up next, I'll talk to two potential 2020 candidates that say they most certainly do. Stick around. While many of the 2020 Democratic hopefuls are pulling the party into far left purity tests and Trump has pushed the GOP into the far right hinterlands, the fate of the center hangs in the balance. Remember the middle, a.k.a. the majority of Americans? Tonight I'll talk to two guys who think they might be able to reach those voters in larger numbers than the candidates who are currently running. So let's start here. Many Americans, more now than ever, believe the two parties we got aren't working. 
Former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz is hoping to capitalize on that. He's exploring a 2020 run as an independent. Here's what he had to say about political polarization at a Fox News town hall on Thursday. I've been very public about my concern about how far left uh, the Democratic Party is leaning. And uh, I think there's a great opportunity given how extreme both parties are. The vast majority of Americans are in the middle. Uh, I'm a centrist. I have been a lifelong Democrat, but the Democratic Party left me. I didn't leave them. But Democrats insist he'll only serve as a spoiler, taking votes away from their eventual nominee and putting Donald Trump back in the White House. Schultz thinks maybe the opposite would happen. There's no spoiler. It's a false narrative. There, there are lifelong Republicans, lifelong Republicans, who, given a choice between Donald Trump and a Democrat, will more than likely vote for Donald Trump, despite the fact that the character morality of this president is inconsistent with their own values. If I choose to run, if I, if I choose to run, millions of lifelong Republicans will come my way. Howard Schultz joins me now. He's the author of From the Ground Up, A Journey to Reimagine the Promise of America. So welcome. Uh, my first question is, have you been surprised uh, at the pushback you're getting from Democrats? It's almost as if they don't want you to run. Uh you know, I, I think we expected, certainly, there would be a level of resistance, not to the degree it came. Mm. Uh, it's kind of softened a little bit. I, know that I think they're focused on Joe Biden. Uh, but I think, clearly, whatever uh, the Democrats are thinking about, I, I have no understanding why they believe that an extreme position mm. that resembles socialism is going to defeat Donald Trump. It's not going to happen. Well, just to sort of push back against what you just said in that clip we played. Yeah. A CNN poll found that Republicans were most apt to say they were unlikely to support you. 53% versus 41% of Democrats. So tell me why. Make the case why you would siphon sure. off Trump voters. Well, first off, we're 18 months away and so much will change between sure. now and then. But let's, here's the theory of the case. 42% yeah. of the American electorate who voted in 2016 affiliate themselves right now as an independent. 71% of the American people are completely dissatisfied and do not trust the both parties, don't trust the president, and want to see change. Now, in the last 30-plus years, 8 to 10 battleground states pretty much define the, elect the presidential election. If I enter the race, 40-plus states for the first time yeah. will be in play. So there is a pathway to 270. It's real. It's authentic. This is not anything that is about vanity. This is real about the American But why people. are you convinced you'll get millions of Trump supporters? On character alone. Here's the issue. There are millions of lifelong Republicans. And the poll doesn't really, it's not accurate because there's no third choice right now. Mm. But there's millions of lifelong Republicans who do not want to vote for this president, but are, they're not going for Bernie Sanders. Right. And the reason they're dissatisfied is character, morality. At the Fox Town Hall last week, I asked a question. And the question was, does anyone in this audience who has children want to see their children behave like Donald Trump? Not one hand went up. Not one hand. Well, you just mentioned Bernie Sanders. I know you're not a, a fan of the president. You've also said Bernie Sanders would be a disaster yes. uh, for this country. So in your mind, which is worse? A second term of President Trump or a President Sanders? I, that is a that is a false choice. I wouldn't even know how to. It could begin. it could be the choice. I, well, I think it'll be a worse worse decision for the American people mm. than it was in two, 2016 when a hundred million Americans did not vote. Which goes back to your earlier question. Yeah. 
100 million Americans did not vote in 2016. Apathy, bad choice. If I give them another choice, those 100 million Americans will have something to vote for. Well, so I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I have been always um, somewhat suspicious of what I call solutionists. People who have a lot of money yeah. and they've been real successful doing one thing and so then think they can solve all the things. Some of the problems that you're going to have to confront if you run for president are complicated. They're big. They've been stymieing society for centuries. Why do you think you can solve some of these problems better, more easily than some of the other people who are running? Well, let's list the problems first off. Okay. $22 trillion in, in debt, a health care crisis, K-12 education not working, immigration problem, problems with China, North Korea, NATO. What does that tell you? It is a complete fracturing of leadership on both sides of the aisle and this president. Now, you asked me a very simple question. Why me? Yeah. Now, I don't have any specific political government experience, but look what I've done over 40 years. Mm -hmm. I built a global enterprise in 77 countries. Our stock price is up 25,000%, but most importantly, I gave ownership, health insurance, and college tuition to every single employee in the company. I've created an environment where I've worked to really benefit our people while creating equity in the form all sure, but look, we've got a businessman in the White House now. We know it doesn't always very translate. Very different type of businessman. I've been a, a public CEO for 30 years. Right. He ran a private enterprise. But most importantly, I would surround myself with like-minded people on a set of values. I said publicly two weeks ago in a speech, I would have a bipartisan, very diverse cabinet, yeah. heavily weighted towards women, Republicans and Democrats and independents. I would do everything I possibly could to bring both sides together. The problem we have right now is the ideology of Republicans and Democrats who are unwilling on any issue mm. to work together to solve America's people's problems. Let me, that, let me just, ask, what, just go back for yeah. a second. Why heavily weighted towards women? Because I think it's very important. We, we have more women running for president than any other time in history of the country. Right. This is an opportunity to demonstrate that women should have the opportunity to serve in government at high positions. And I'm all for that. But, uh, but to outnumber men specifically is something you'd look to do? I would. I would. I think it's a benefit for the country. Okay. Um, look, I'm deeply disappointed in both parties. I'm, I'm, I'm here for this. I, my ears are open. I'm listening. But you have to show me how this would work. So let's pretend you become president. Yeah. And you've got a policy that you really want to enact. And folks on the left, Democrats in Congress don't support it and at parts of it. And, and, and Republicans in Congress don't support, port, part, yeah. don't support yeah. parts of it. How do you build okay. a coalition when you don't have a party to get this agenda through? How do you think things are working right now? Oh, terribly. Okay. So, terribly. Is, so is there an opportunity for improvement? Sure. Okay. So let, no, but literally tell okay, me. I'm going to I'm I'm tell you. I'm going to tell you. Okay. So first off, can you imagine that for the first time in over 200 plus years, the American people would send an independent person to be the president of the United States? Right. So let's just check that box. Okay. So if, if that happens. Okay. Now. Republicans and Democrats will have the strongest mandate historically in the history of the country to recognize the American people historically have said we are fed up, disgusted and exhausted by the ideology and the fighting. We want dramatic, disruptive, transformational change. And if the Republicans and Democrats do not work with an independent president, they are going to so be fighting. by virtue of winning, Democrats well, and Republicans will have to 
Oh, well, I think they will be figure out how I, to give what, you think, what you want. No, no, I think that would be naive. But I think they yeah. will be fired if mm. they don't. I also think for the first time in many years, you'll see centrist Republicans and Democrats who can't move outside of their ideology because they'll be primaried out. Right. Will have a license to vote with their conscience and their heart. Last thing I'd say I is hope so. you will see a plethora mm. of independents up and down running for office as a result of an independent who wins the office. And I would yeah. say one other thing, yeah. which is so vitally important. The character, the dignity, the grace, the values of the Oval Office yeah. must be restored. I agree completely. I, 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 don't, I wonder if voters see it the same way and are compelled to vote with that in mind. Um, I guess we'll find out. And I hope you'll let us know when you make your announcement. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Howard Schultz. Um, will the 2020 Democratic field get a bit more crowded? My next guest may have that answer. Stick around. One of the Democrats who is still considering jumping into the 2020 race is Massachusetts Congressman Seth Moulton. He's young. He's a former Marine who served four tours in Iraq, and he sees an open lane in the race for a candidate who can speak to national security. On Sunday, Moulton said this about a possible bid. So Liz and I, my wife, are talking about this. It's a family decision. It's something that we have to commit to together. You have a new baby. And we have a new baby. She's uh, not taking part in these discussions. Right. Although she's certainly but that's a consideration. A, absolutely a consideration. But coming, ultimately, coming Liz weeks. and I are going are to talk about this. We're going to decide in the next few weeks. And Congressman Moulton is with me now. Congressman, uh, I don't have to tell you, you're from a liberal state. It's my home state. But most people might not know that you won in one of the least liberal districts in Massachusetts. Do you think you can appeal to moderate voters around the country? Well, I've been talking to a lot of voters around the country, focusing on early primary states. Uh, I was spending time in Iowa, uh, where we were talking about how a Green New Deal should be good for the economy, should grow jobs, not hurt jobs. Uh, most recently, today I'm out in Nevada, talking to voters out here, especially students and veterans, people who sometimes feel left out of the mm. Democratic primary process, um, that Democrats don't speak to their needs enough. And I've heard some inspiring stories and some people who are making a real difference in the lives of veterans right here uh, at home in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, they're ending veterans' homelessness right here in a, in a, in a joint agreement, uh, amazing cooperation between the labor unions, uh, veterans advocates, local activists. It's really encouraging. And we need to make sure as Democrats that we're speaking to everybody in this country mm -hmm. if we want to win elections. Well, I'm going to ask you about, Demo uh, about veterans uh, in a second. But first, I just want to give you the opportunity here on Unfiltered. We have terrific viewers. They're solution-oriented. They might really respond to your message. Do you care to make any news tonight? I'm not going to make an announcement, Essie. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, okay. But I will tell you that I'm looking seriously at this race. Because fundamentally, I believe in this country. I believe in America, and I believe we're better than this. We're better than we are. Uh, when I was in Iraq, I served with some of the most amazing Americans I have ever met. But I also felt really betrayed, left behind by the politicians in Washington who sent mm. us there. So we have a lot of work to do to make sure that every American has a job in the new economy, not the old, to get weapons of war off our streets and ensure that everybody has access to good, affordable health care. Uh, to make sure that we actually have a commander-in-chief that we can trust, even if we don't agree with him or her, a commander-in-chief that we can trust. So mm -hmm. we've got a lot of work to do. 
But I believe in this country and I believe that we're at our best when we're patriotic, where we believe our best days are ahead of us, when we can come together and recognize that we're not a country that's got it all figured out. We're a country that believes that we might. So in the New York Times today, uh, I, I'll read uh, a, a quote. Among the 67 new Democrats in Congress, 10 served in the military or intelligence agencies, which has shaped a tight and quite visible bond. All defeated Republicans in arduous races last year, many in the 31 districts carried by President Trump in the 2016 presidential election. So what does that tell you, Congressman, about the need for a national security candidate in this race? And do you think that that, that is missing? We have a historically reckless commander-in-chief, a, a commander-in-chief who's putting us in danger all around the globe. You know, my division motto in the Marines was no better friend, no worse enemy. We've done the exact opposite under this president. We've been abandoning our allies and cozying up to enemies like Putin and Kim Jong-un without stop. That has got to end. And it's time for Democrats to take leadership on national security. Why should the Democratic Party cede patriotism, national security, being a strong country to the Republican Party when their commander-in-chief is, is leading us astray? So we've got a lot of work to do. And that's exactly... But do you think the current Democrats in the field who have announced that they're running, do you think that they have not, um, you know, shown uh, capability when it comes to foreign affairs and, and, and leadership on these issues? I think there are amazing Democrats uh, running already, and many of them are friends of mine. Uh, but it's true that nobody is talking about national security, and I think that should be part of the discussion. Mm. Now, look, I have... I, I have a lot of ideas on health care, on growing the economy, on attacking climate change in a way that's good for jobs, on getting weapons of war off our streets. I've been a strong advocate for that as well. So there are so many issues that we should tackle. But national security should be part of the discussion. And mm. I think that's what you saw from some of these amazing veterans who won the tough districts that we needed to take back to win the House. They're people who appealed not just to Democrats, but to independents and the Republicans, because they mm -hmm. said, we are leaders who can get things done. We are leaders who will actually make a difference in Washington to change the culture there. And mm. that's what I think people want out of the next president. So as you know, the president was just at the border. Um, he threatened to shut it down, then reversed course. Trump has said that there's a crisis on the border. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 